Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel reading this morning is from the fifth chapter of St. Matthew. Now, we are in the, in the middle of, or right towards the beginning, of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, his first great teaching in Matthew's gospel, where Jesus outlines what it looks like to live a faithful life. And so, Jesus continues in this sermon by, by saying these words, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are light of the world. A, a, a city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Greg, thank you uh, for, for being with us today. Such a beautiful, you always bring such a wonderful, beautiful contribution to worship. He told me before worship that he hasn't been here because of COVID in over a year. Uh, goodness gracious, a regular... Um, uh, well, anyway, just that's true for a lot of us. And for some of you who are joining us even in person today, for some of you, it might be your first time back. Welcome back. We're, we're glad to see you. We know that over the next several weeks and months, we will continue to get folks who are, who are returning to worship for the first time. So we are, we are so glad to see you. Also, welcome to this day, uh, a day that it's official now that the NCAA tournament does not matter. So... <laughs> It's uh, just no need to watch it anymore. I'm glad for that. I've got a lot of time on my hands, as it turns out. I, uh, in all seriousness, I'm sure, like me, uh, your heart broke this past week when, after the many shootings in Atlanta, the mass shootings there, and fear from the different stories that we began to hear throughout the week um, um, from Asian Americans in particular about some of the fears and some of the bias and hatred that they've, they've experienced, especially in this past year since the beginning of COVID. Uh, it led me to remember my first relationship with, uh, with someone from Southeast Asia. When I was in, and I think it was ninth grade, I asked my mom about it this past week, and we think it was ninth grade. My congregation was preparing to welcome a refugee family from Vietnam. A lot of Lutheran congregations were doing such a thing in the, in the late 1970s and early 80s when refugee resettlement was so keenly important, especially in that era when there were so many who were escaping the horrors in Vietnam. And so we welcomed the Trong family, T-R-O-U-N-G, uh, which included a mom and dad and uncle who I believe was the father's um, brother and their two kids, one of whom was a high school student. We had secured a house where they could live, loaded it with furniture and groceries, tried to, tried to make their transition as easy as possible, found a job for, for the father. I've always been so, a sidebar, I've always been, been so very thankful for the work of Lutheran re, Refugee Resettlement. It's one of the brightest, most important ministries that we do. We've been very much a part of that and recognized around the world in that effort since the late 1940s, and that's an effort that continues to this day. It's one of the finest ministries the Lutheran Church has been a part of. Anyway, our, our high school Sunday school teacher in those days was a man named Gary Lee, and in preparation for the Trong family to arrive, he asked a question that I'll never forget. He asked this, how would you share the gospel with someone who does not know the gospel? 
The question struck me as odd. Again, I was in maybe ninth-ish grade, and, and as, it, as it turned out, quite honestly, I didn't know anybody who, who wasn't a Christian, well, except for my really good friend Lisa, who was Jewish, but honestly, Lisa enjoyed celebrating Christmas as much as the rest of us. So anyway, that was my experience, believe it or not. How would I share the gospel with someone who didn't know the gospel? I didn't have a clue, and neither did anyone else in the class, but Mr. Lee would not let us off the hook. For the rest of the class, uh, we had to write down, write out exactly how we might sort of script such a thing, and then to talk it out, to practice it with one another in in, uh, hopes of finally being able to answer that question. You know, it strikes me today, maybe not in those days did I realize, but it certainly strikes me today that Lutherans often have a hard time verbalizing their faith to others. In other words, sharing their faith with words. Now, with deeds, no problem at all. I grew up in a Lutheran church uh, that was always out doing something. We love to share our faith with our hands and with our feet by doing, by feeding, by caring, and that's good. That's absolutely necessary, a critical way of sharing your faith. But about, about, uh, what about those times when words, likewise, are necessary? Uh, that's hard for some. So the question that I want to wrestle with today is this, how do we share our faith in a way that brings life and hope to others? A reminder that we are in the midst of a series, actually this is the last Sunday in our series, um, called The Walk, Five Essential Practices of the Christian Life. Um, Our our goal throughout the series has been to try to invite you into a closer walk with Jesus, And, and we are convinced that these five practices help us to do just that. Please don't see them as rules that you have to follow as burdens that God has placed upon you, or as anything that's going to gain you favor or, or some kind of honor. That's not the purpose of, of this series or of these practices, but simply as tools that will help you grow in faith and to help you draw closer to God as you worship, as you study, as you serve, as you give and as you share. All things that were important to Jesus, who modeled each and every one of these practices for us. So when Jesus says, follow me, that's what it looks like to follow Jesus. When we call ourselves followers of Jesus, that's what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. The fifth practice is, again, share, specifically to share our faith with others. But what does that mean? Well, again, let's take a look at the life of Jesus. Uh, For example, once there was a woman who had committed adultery. Maybe you remember this story, brutal story in the Gospel of John. She was standing accused by the community. Now, they were ready to toss her out. They were even ready to take her life, and quite honestly, the law allowed such a thing to happen that she could literally be eliminated, be stoned to death because of her sin of of adultery. Death was her punishment. And sure enough, their judgment upon this particular woman, it was real. It was almost palpable. They circled around her. Fists were clenched around rocks. Mouths were almost frothing with with anger. John talks about it in great, almost frightening detail. It, It must have been a frightening moment until Jesus arrives. And the crowd turns to Jesus and says almost sarcastically, so Jesus, what what should we do? Well, what happened next reveals a lot about who Jesus is and who we are called to be. It reveals, in fact, the heart of Jesus and gives us a glimpse into how Jesus invites us to share our faith. Jesus 
knelt on the ground as others began to back away. Jesus drew close to her where she had fallen to the ground. He knew of her sin, but He was not afraid of it. He spoke to her directly and personally. Despite the anger of the crowd that was all around her, it was clear that Jesus did not judge this woman. He loved this woman, and He invited her into a relationship. It's beautiful, which is worth remembering. The first principle in this whole idea of sharing your faith is this. Sharing your faith begins with relationship. Think about it. It's rarely a one-time encounter that draws someone to Jesus, but it's a relationship that helps someone know that you genuinely care about them so that when the opportunity for comes to give witness to your faith, to share why your life is different because because you're a follower of Jesus, they'll listen. Why? Because they care about you, because of the relationship that they have with you. Number two, a second principle. When I was in um, elementary school, I, I spent a lot of time at my best friend's house, which meant that I spent a lot of time with my best friend's mom, Mrs. Falk. I, I've, I've preached about her before. I, I, I do want to say Ms. Falk was a good woman. She really was. She was kind. She was friendly. She was godly. I loved her. But she was clearly concerned for my soul. <laughs> now, she knew I was a pastor's kid. Uh, but that didn't really matter. She just thought, I don't know, maybe I was on the wrong track or something. But Because every time she had the opportunity, in fact, when I was leaving her house, it, it was not uncommon for her to place a, a track in my hand. You remember what a track is? Some of those old Bible tracks some of you have seen. Uh, it was her way of, of sharing her faith with me. But she would place these Bible tracks that showed pictures of, of heaven and, and, and hell. And, and, and they would ask questions sort of like, if you you were to die tonight, do you know beyond a shadow of doubt where you would go? <laughs> that was her way of, of witnessing to me, witnessing, sharing the gospel. Well, to this day, now that was way long time ago when I was in elementary school, to this day, I can picture those horrible images of heaven and hell, sort of the burning brimstone of, of hell that was, that was depicted before me, this impressionable fifth grader, whatever, the scary forces of evil. Again, it was an evangelism strategy that she had been taught, that they were asked and encouraged to be a part of, to hand out those tracts to as many people as they possibly could, a strategy that she knew and had, uh, had participated in, I'm sure, for years. But years later, I discovered that such a strategy isn't in the Gospels, nowhere at all. Instead, Jesus' evangelism strategy is this, let your light shine before others so that when they see your good works, they too will give glory to your Father in heaven. You see the difference, Right? I mean, rather than scaring people into heaven, Jesus says you be the light that shines. Uh, so that by virtue of that light, by virtue of your good deeds, by virtue of your generosity and your love and your kindness, they too might be drawn to the light. Which is really, don't you think, it's what this old world is desperate, eager to see and to hear and to experience among Christians. Not action that's rooted in judgment, but action that's rooted in love. Which leads us to the second principle of sharing your faith. Live out your faith in a way that makes the world a better place. 
be persistent, be regular, be intentional, live out your faith in such a way that makes this world, your community, your environment a better place. And I promise you that soon when you do, people will ask you why you do what you do. And then you can tell them that, that you love others because God has first loved you. That, that, that what you do, you do because of the power of the Holy Spirit working through you, working within you. After all, Scripture is clear. Paul says this in his letter to the Ephesians. He writes this, we, you and I, are created for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Why? So that others might see the light of Christ which means that the good that we do comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, a good that has already been placed within us by God before we were even in our mother's womb. Why? So that we might be a light to this world, which leads us to our final principle, which we find in our gospel reading today. Be salt. Be light. It's a beautiful part, such an encouraging part of Jesus' sermon on the mount. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Did you hear that? He doesn't say, you will be the light of the world. He doesn't say, you could be the light of the world. He doesn't say, I want you to be the light of the world. He says, you are already the light of the world. You are salt of the earth. God created you that way. So, so be what God has already created you to be, using the gifts that God has already given you to use. Be salt, be light. Why? So that when the world sees the way you brighten a darkened place, when they see the flavor that you bring to this world, they too will give thanks and praise to God. That's Jesus' evangelism strategy. It doesn't require billboards. It doesn't require radio ads or or a complicated strategic plan, he simply says, let your light shine so that others might see that light and give glory and praise to God. By the way, Paul says we are God's ambassadors. I mean, that's what God has created us to be and invited us to be. If you ever wanted a fancy title in front of your, your, your name, well, you've got it. You're an ambassador. You're an ambassador of Christ right? Live as that ambassador. Paul says this, God is trying to make an appeal to the world through you. How? Well, simple. Be salt. Be light. Wherever you are, wherever you go. I don't care if you're at work, you're at play, you're at school. I don't care if you're among your friends or or at the grocery store. Be salt and be light. On the pages of social media, be salt and be light. In the, in the neighborhood, on the basketball court, be salt, be light. Among your friends at work, be salt, be light. So that when they ask why, you will have a chance to tell them that you love because God first loved you. That you care because the power of the Holy Spirit has given you the courage to care. Uh, you know, if you're having a hard time verbalizing it, do it in other ways. Again, through the pages of Facebook or social media or whatever ways, tools that we've been given to to share that part of who we are and what matters to us. You see, I have a hope and a dream that years from now, and who knows how many years, this might be decades from now, but years from now, when your grandkids are asked how they learned about their faith, they will say, through you. 
that when the leaders of this church and this community, decades from now, uh, are asked, why do you do what you do? They'll say, because someone cared enough in that congregation to tell me about Jesus, that someone loved me enough to show me how to follow Jesus. That someone is you. Today, I want to challenge you with something. I want you to think about five people in your life, five people with whom you have relationship of some kind or another. It doesn't have to be a deeply intimate or personal relationship, but someone with whom you have a relationship. I want you to think of five people who you can invite into some type of Christian community this year. Five people, one year. Piece of cake, right? Five people this year. Maybe it's to worship. Maybe it's to a small group ministry. Maybe it's, maybe it's to a community activity that I promise you will be a part of again once COVID is, is, is over. Five people this year who you invite into Christian community. Five people who otherwise have, have not been a part of Christian community. That's five people whose lives you have the potential to change. People with whom you are already in relationship. Multiply five by all those who are here today or worshiping online, and my goodness gracious, that's a lot of lives. And how do you do it? Well, it's simple. Be light. Be salt. To them in such a way that you can show to them that you care enough about them that you want to share with them the light of Christ. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you so much for being the light. Lord, from the very first day of creation, you chose to bring light into this darkened world, this chaotic place. Your light brought order in creation. Lord, we thank you for coming to us as Jesus, who is the light of the world. But Lord, we, we do admit that sometimes we feel inadequate in the ways that, that you have called us light. But Lord, we thank you in advance for the opportunities that you promised to place before us so that we might share your witness of love and grace, of peace, mercy, forgiveness, of light to this world. Lord, we pray for those opportunities. I thank you for the ways that people in this very room and online right now are already sharing their faith, are already loving you and loving this world. And I do pray for the opportunities that are to come. Use us, Lord, as your ambassadors. Use us, Lord, as your light and your salt. In Jesus' name, amen.